You're listening to Decidedly Dry. I'm your host, Jess Steitzer. This is a sober podcast where we actually focus on the good. Amazing, right? We spark inspiration. We try to provide some hope and we help motivate you. I promise to always keep it real, provide some dry humor, and remind you every single episode why sobriety is truly a superpower. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, just head on over to decidedlydry.com. Thank you so much for pushing play today. Let's get started. Well, hello, hello, hello. So glad that you pushed play today. I am recording this intro Thanksgiving Day morning, and I can't help but feel all warm and fuzzy inside when I just think of all that I have to be grateful for. I know it's corny, and I won't go down my list, but just so you know, listeners, you sure are up at the top. That being said, to show my gratitude, I've added a free, helpful planning worksheet that you can download on my website. All you need to do is head over to www.decidedlydry.com, enter your best email address in the little pop-up box that appears on the homepage, and your free download will be sent to your inbox within minutes. Even if you've already subscribed to the site, you can still re-enter your address, your, uh, your email address, and take advantage of that worksheet. I do want to give a quick shout out to Margaret, Ashley, and Kath for your donation to the podcast. Your donation helps cover costs, and it really truly means a lot. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Okay, so for today's episode, sorry, I've been blabbing, (laughs) but this one here is a very, very special one for me. Most of you that have been listening for some time now know that my sober journey started with a 21-day reset with SoberSys. I have referenced this reset program in many of my episodes and have been lucky enough to interview many women from that program here on the show. Well, today, I don't just have one of my sober sisters on. I have the sober sis on. The leader herself, drumroll please, Jen Couch. Now, before I get started, I want to just tell you a little bit about Jen. I know she will introduce herself, but here's what you need to know. Jen Couch is the founder and creator of the SoberSys community and the leader in the Sober Curious movement. She lives in Fort Worth, Texas with her hubby of 27 years and has two adult children in their young 20s. SoberSys was born Christmas Day of 2017 and since then, get this you guys, more than 200,000 women have downloaded her free Happy Hour Survival Guide. And over 30,000 have participated in the 21-Day Reset Challenge. Those numbers are growing every month as she works hard to get the message out to more women. She is a motivational speaker and an author of Look Alive, Sis, coming out spring of 2023. It is her passion and life's calling to create a space where women can renegotiate their relationship with alcohol without labels, judgment, or shame. She coaches women who feel stuck in the gray area on the drinking spectrum and helps women get off of autopilot and mindless sipping through the habit of wine o'clock. She is all about holistic health and promotes freedom from the detox to retox cycle. Sharing through her personal faith, 
understanding of science, and ability to facilitate connection, lives are being changed. Every day, women are becoming more fully alive through sober-minded living and more present in their own amazing lives. Now, I know that was a big intro, but you guys, Jen changed my life. She really did. I'm not exaggerating a bit. Her program, her support, mentorship, and friendship has had a ginormous impact on my life, and I do not take it for granted. If you feel like you're in that sober curious phase and you're not really sure about your relationship with alcohol, you're feeling a little lost, looking for a sign, this is it. I would highly recommend her reset as a way to test out the sober-minded waters, to perhaps find a like-minded community, and who knows, it just might change your life like it did mine. Here is our chat. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jess with Decidedly Dry, and I am absolutely thrilled to bring to you Jen today. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jess. So good to see you. So good to see you. Now, I am going to let you do your big intro, but for those of you that don't know Jen, she is better known as the beautiful human behind Sober Sis. We always say you are AKA Sober Sis, right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here. And, you know, I'm just going to say before we get started that you are such an important piece of my personal journey because you are the one that started it for me. Um, you you reached out after I had contacted you after seeing an ad for Soversys for the the reset, and you were kind of the one that started it. So you are are a big piece of my journey, and I just want to say thank you before we get going. You're welcome, Jess. I remember our conversations back in 2018. I think it was. was. It? Yeah. Would it have been? <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I wasn't really that much further ahead of you at that time. Honestly, I was probably, you know, a year into my alcohol free journey as well. When I, when I started sober sis, so some of you true OGs were literally just right behind my heels of trying to figure this thing out and just be curious and kind of on this discovery path of what we did not know would be so much more. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the reset, but I can remember it like it was yesterday. I remember pacing in my bedroom, talking to you on the phone. That's how way back I am that I got a personal call with Jen and just (laughs) contemplating, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, can I really pay the money for this reset? And it was, it was worth every penny. So Anywho, we are going to get started. I'm so excited for this conversation. Um, I would love for you to start just by telling people and listeners a little bit about yourself. So who you are, where you live, if you have kids, all that good stuff. Absolutely. So um, yeah, so I live in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, Texas girl through and through my whole life, I've lived in Texas and half of it was spent in Lubbock my hometown and the other half of my 51 years have been spent in Fort Worth. So I'm a Texan through and through been married to my college sweetheart for 27 years now. Uh, His name is Craig and it's our big joke out there. We're like Jenny Craig because that's how people remember our like couple name. (laughs) We're not Benifer or anything like that, but um, you know, that's, that's kind of our couple name. And we do have two adult children, our daughters near 25 and our son just turned 23. So we are technically empty nesters 
And here I am in my calling and passion for this next season of my life, which if you would have told me five or six years ago, I would have been like, wait, what? I'm just, I don't even think I can stop drinking, much less help other women do the same. Mm, I love it. Well, that's a great segue into your story. So let's go back and just kind of, I don't know, tell listeners your history with alcohol. When you started drinking, when you decided, you know, something's not feeling balanced, something's not right. I'd love to hear that story. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking. I feel like everyone's got a really unique story. Um, But the more you share your story, the more you see that there are similarities and patterns with other people. So for the longest time, I thought I was the only one that was a later in life drinker that I got started drinking. Actually, it's not that later in life. I work with women who started drinking when they were my age now at 50. But I actually started drinking in my young 30s as a working mom. I was not someone that really did a lot of experimenting with alcohol in high school, college, or even my 20s. Because in my 20s, you know, I was I was building a family. I was it wasn't time to start drinking if I hadn't yet. And so, um, so yeah, and it really wasn't because I tried so hard not to drink and wanted to. It was that I didn't want to drink, and so many of my friends didn't drink either. That it made it really relatively easy for me. The peer pressure was uh, actually not as strong when I was younger as when I was older as an adult, which is crazy. But I was in my young 30s. I was working with a a home-based business. So I was at home during the day with my kiddos, wearing the mom hat. And then in the evenings, I would put on the I'm going to conquer the world business hat Mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of found myself in these hotel lobby kind of happy hours after these really intense, high stress meetings. And I I really won't forget it. It was actually very memorable for me because I was so much older and really coming at drinking from a different place. Uh, A good friend of mine said, Jen, why don't you get a glass of wine with us? And I thought, you know what? Why don't I? Hello? Why wouldn't I? Um, That's what normal adults do. I'm normal. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm, I'm way past 21. Uh, I'm not like drinking and driving. I'm not trying to like party. Hello. I'm at a work event and I'd love to take the edge off and kind of normalize my life like everyone else's. And she goes, okay, great. I'm like, I don't even know what to order. Like that's what a newbie I was. Um, so long story short, she got me a white Zinfandel, you know, start small, start easy. Something that (laughs) is real sweet and goes down easy. And I got to tell you, Jess, that that really that that experience is seared kind of in my memory because I drank it and I thought, wow, and that was one glass. I thought, wow, (laughs) this is the magic elixir that everyone keeps fussing about. What is the big deal? Oh, I get it now. A lot of my anxiety that I probably didn't even realize I had um, the stress, the kind of the wound up tight just loosened right off. And I I felt a sense of physical and emotional and mental relief and release that I had not really experienced with a substance before. Mm -hmm. And I remember kind of noting to myself, do that again. Yeah, that wasn't (laughs) bad. (laughs) And then all I had to do was look around and it was encouraged. Oh my gosh, it was actually encouraged for me to do. 
So there was very little cognitive dissonance, very little problem with me going, oh, it's my time now just to be an adult. And this is what adulting is. We've heard it said before, you know, it's my reward. It's my me time. Um, right then too, again, I'm, I'm 51 when we're talking now, if people are listening years down the road, well, I'll be older, but think about <laughs> it. That was only about 20 years ago. Right. And the drinking culture was shifting as well. I've really been able to see that being kind of, I guess, middle-aged during the, the scene here. I've been able to see the difference between the culture shifting around moms and drinking and how it is pushed in our face in all the rosé all day t-shirt mm -hmm. and memes and stuff at Target was not there um, early on. It has grown only maximized year after year. And so I was on the early cusp of that and just fell right in, bought it hook, line and sinker. Like, yeah. wow, this is awesome. And so that was me in my 30s, really just catching up, uh, learning the hard way, some of my limits because I didn't really know them or have them. So, but I caught on pretty quick, you know, I like to think that I'm a overachiever. So <laughs> I did that with drinking. I'm like, no problem. I'll build up a little tolerance. So I don't look like a fool and create, you know, like really dumb stories. And, um, and I'll just, I'll learn how to drink better. I, I'm going to make that kind of my the goal in my thirties. And by the time I was 38, only five, six years later, I knew even then hey, this is not serving me. What am I doing? I'm pulling down tequila from the top shelf of the pantry and my husband and I are making margaritas on a Tuesday night. This is different than, mm. than how I intended this to go. I'm homeschooling at that point by day. And, and my husband and I, we've kind of made it a group activity now, kind of a couple's thing, are drinking most every night. And the mental tug of war was starting to ensue because it was getting me further and further away from who I really was and who I had really always been up to that time. I noticed my anxiety was actually rising, not going down. Like what a ripoff. I was drinking because I thought it helped my anxiety when really my anxiety was worse during the day. So it made me want to drink even more at night. I didn't put together that my sober mind, my presence to do hard things was actually my resilience and that outsourcing my Coping to a drink was actually eroding my joy and my resilience right in front of my face. Mm -hmm. So right before I turned 40, I said, that's it. That's enough. Whoa, I haven't even been doing this this, this long. Um, I'm going to take a year off of drinking. And I did. I did. I don't know if a lot of people know that about my story, but I did. I tried the moderating yo-yo thing. Don't worry, I go back to it. And, <laughs> and I took a whole year off, age 38 to 39, lost 20 pounds, did yoga every day, rocked the bikini. That was my goal. I had very surface level goals for quitting. Um, and I learned nothing. Mm -hmm. I literally learned nothing. I had no books to read about uh, gray area drinking or alcohol-free living. I only knew you were an alcoholic or you weren't. I knew I wasn't, not yet. And so none of that language appealed to me. None of it resonated with me. So I just did the white knuckle, willpower, deprivation mindset, bunch of rules. I did it all wrong, but I got results that could not last. They could not sustain. So after a year, I felt so good. I felt so amazing that I thought I'll go back to drinking again. You know it. 
And so that's exactly what I did. And the next five years, aged really 40 to 45 for me, were the the some of the most challenging years of my life as a mom, as a wife, as a person. And that's when my drinking really doubled down. All the all the quitting, like poof, went away because I had none of the lessons from that time. I only just had more of a desire to to go back to drinking to uh, to just all the reasons why we do. And so, yeah, I was I was really stuck, and I felt like I was in a real loop during those years. And and you've heard me talk about the loop a lot. Um, in the reset and just in sober sis, but I talk a lot about the detox to retox loop. So that was me. I was on this furious hamster wheel of detox by day, constantly detoxing my whole body, my whole life, my mind, my body, my soul was all about the daily detox, the long, quiet time. I've got my Bible out. I'm detoxing there. I'm detoxing in my body by doing a 90 minute hot Bikram yoga class, just torturing myself to sweat it out. <laughs> and I swear there was Pinot Grigio on my mat. I know there was, <laughs> <I'm> Sure, <laughs> you know, and then I, I mean, I'm just, I'm juicing my kale, man. I am doing everything in my power to detox because I know the wine, witch is going to swoop in. She's going to swoop in and 3 PM. The battle starts 5 PM, 5, 5 PM. You know, I've given way. I just, I can't resist her anymore. And I do the bottle breakdown. And that's when I started just realizing, wow, I can polish off a bottle. Um, that's, you know, three or four glasses pretty easily on my own on a Tuesday night. And, and really where things really switched for me, was it was it was kind of a regular night um, in 2017, and um, it was before I turned 46. I'm standing at the kitchen sink. I'm on my third glass of wine. I'm cleaning the dishes like I always do, listening to my 80s Pandora. I had the glass at five when I started cooking. I had the second glass while I was eating. I've got the third glass while I'm cleaning, and I'm going to polish off the bottle and have the fourth glass in the bathtub. And it's a routine. Like, I know this is going to happen. And just I'm standing at the kitchen sink and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. What in the world? It's a Tuesday night at 8 p.m., a regular school night. What am I doing? How did I get here and how do I get out? And and it was around that time. I think I was so ready, really ready um, that God in his I just have to say in his mercy and grace saw that it was, it was, it was time that I was ready to really partner with him to get that freedom that I was so longing for, but just didn't even know how to, how to get there. And so through a series of listening to podcasts, um, hiring coaches, picking up books, looking for anyone who was talking about this alcohol-free lifestyle that you could create for yourself. And they weren't using words like alcoholic, sober, addict, sobriety. And again, those those words are okay if if they resonate with you or appeal. For me, those were always words that made me kind of turn it off or get fearful that that would be me. And so that kind of kept me stuck. So really listening to those who had gone ahead of me and before me just shifted my mindset to a whole new conversation about gray area drinking, which I totally resonated with. And uh, and just this concept that you can that you can change your relationship with alcohol at any time for any reason. And I'd never heard that message before. I always thought it has to get worse before it gets better. 
And that really kept me trapped. So, so yeah, it, it was right before I turned 46, April 2017, that I, I took my first six-week break. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I'd go or how long it'd be. It was, you know, 42 days, a thousand hours. That was my first initial goal. And then met that goal and it was not easy. It had a lot of challenges to it. Um, and then just pushed forward to 100 days. That was my next goal, 100 days. Could I do Mother's Day, my birthday, my anniversary, all in that 100 days? And I did. Mm -hmm. And so I kept momentum going. And here we are today. <laughs> That's Gosh. like a real rush past that last part. But Oh, no. But I mean, what I truly love about your story and what was so relatable for me was that from the outside, everything looked fine. Am I right? Oh, I mean, totally. I don't want to assume, but... That was so much of my story, too, where I'm running the miles in the morning. I'm having my green juice. You know, I'm I'm doing all the things that you were just talking about. But come nighttime, you know, right about that five o'clock hour, it was a different ball game. And I think that's what you and I have a lot in common, where it was just that exhausting cycle that you talked about, where it's like, OK, all areas of my life are going really good, except for this one piece. Why can't I get a handle on this one part? It's frustrating. Well, because I know you and you're my friend, you're also a very determined, dedicated person. So like with running, for example, when you set a goal or your workouts, well, you just meet that goal because you push through. And when you and I applied that to our relationship with drinking, it didn't work the same. Mm -hmm. And I know that that put both of us, many of us, kind of in a conundrum, like, well, wait a minute, that works over there and I get rewarded. But when I do that over here, I get more exhausted and I go deeper down the pitcher plant. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Right, right. Well, and I always, I mean, I feel like I always am using fitness and running and that kind of stuff as examples because it's crazy how you can kind of see the similarities. But what's interesting to me is that first, I didn't know you took that whole year off which is interesting to me and learn nothing. And I mean, I don't want to say learn nothing, but it didn't stick. Right. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but the second time you did it, I mean, it was totally different because you started putting tools to use. You started paying right. attention. And that is so much like running. If you go out there and just try to do it, I mean, you'll, you'll probably do it for a while, but until you start training and stretching and fueling and paying attention to all those pieces, that is when you can start kind of seeing that success. So do you, does that kind of, am I correct yeah, in saying that? that? totally makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was unsustainable. And, and what I learned about myself during that time was I do have a great amount of willpower, but that is exhaustible and unsustainable. It can get you so far though. And, um, but yeah, yeah. Learning nothing about myself other than I can, I'm good at checking boxes, <laughs> but checking boxes isn't necessarily going to work in life. It'll work right. with goals that are short-term. Right. So when you had your last day one, I mean, how was it different this time around? I mean, I know you mentioned all the tools and stuff, but this time, were you really kind of picking up on the different benefits that you started seeing and kind of using that as motivation? Yes. And this time, you know, when I stopped drinking the first time at 38, I wasn't done. I wasn't sick and tired of being sick and tired yet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was kind of ready, but I wasn't really ready. 
I kind of was holding out. I was like, mm, I'm a little young to let it go when there's no big problem at right. hand. So that's a little extreme, Jen. Calm it down. Probably just need to moderate by taking a big break and then go back and measure four ounces and all that, whatever. Um, I think when I showed up to the journey again at 45, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. At that point, it wasn't a should. I should do this. It was a, I must do this. Mm -hmm. I must, I must do this for myself. I must do this because um, at that time, my age 40 to 45 was my daughter's 13 to 18. So she just pretty much graduated high school. It was kind of almost, yeah, it was a year later that I stopped drinking after she graduated high school, but she was, she was at a crossroads. She was at a pivotal point. And I thought, you know what? I really am too. I, I can kind of reinvent myself. A lot of people get a fresh start with a new season in life. I don't think I want to show up at 50 the way I did 40. I don't think I want to be a pro patio drinker in my 50s. Like I could easily do that. I've got the time. I've got the, you know, when you kind of hit this age, you finally, quote, have arrived to even go on a date night more than one night a week and go sit on a patio. So I, I knew that if I didn't, course correct and change the direction I was going, I would probably end up just drinking more or more often. And it would take me nowhere that I wanted to go. So I kind of went into it with, with excitement. Like I get to kind of try again, but now this is for the right reasons. It's not how I look in a bathing suit. It's how I feel on the inside. It's how I want to show up in the world. And when I was drinking, I didn't really like how I was showing up in the world because it was so double-minded. I was living a duplicitous life. I was two different people, like divided. And I wanted to show up wholehearted. And so for me to do that, drinking was the obvious, like standout, like you said, yeah. what is not, what's, what's not fitting here? What is not congruent and aligned, which is my word um, this year is alignment. What's not aligned? And the drinking thing totally stood out for me as just something that didn't align mm -hmm. ever, really. And I kind of forced it to align, but then I knew it's, it's not. Yeah. Well, and for me too, I'm, I'm sure you're the same. It was keeping that promise to myself. I didn't like uh, that. Like wine had that control over me, you know, and yes. back in my drinking days, I would never admit it, but you know, you would start that day where it's like, okay, I'm doing good. I'm checking my boxes. Like you said, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then here I am on my second glass and I'm going, it's okay. It's okay. I deserve it. But in the back of my head, I'm going, what's going on? Why right. can't you not do this? And that's, and it that's is, exhausting. It painful. As someone who's experienced it firsthand yourself, it's, it's painful to break a promise to ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's bad and hard enough to break a promise to someone else. But I think internally, when we don't have good internal boundaries and we do it to and with ourselves all the time, I really began, much like you hit on, began to stop trusting myself. And when I stopped trusting myself, it made me almost like, how can I even trust other people with me if I can't even trust me with sure. me? Sure. That's scary. It's not it a good, is. it's not a good feeling. I don't like it. But mm -hmm. here we are. And here we are. We're now we get a that. we get a shift to the good. <laughs> So I would love to know, um, I mean, I know, I would love listeners to know when Sober Sis entered the picture. So you removed the alcohol, you are sober-minded, you are rocking. What brought about Sober Sis? How did you come up with it? 
Yeah. Well, it's it's really quite an amazing story because I would have never in a million years pictured myself doing anything like this or even speaking in this space. Um, even the word sober, sis, even that I was like, I don't know if I can go out there and even use the word sober because I'm really referring even more to being sober minded. But that's that's a little long. <laughs> and so it was actually Christmas day of 2017, December 25th, presents are opened, Christmas tree has, you know, nothing under it anymore, the fire's going, and I remember, I just took a deep, deep breath, like, whoa, wow, I made it through the holidays, Yeah, that was my first holidays to make it, and at that point, I wasn't really connected with any kind of community, there really weren't a lot of communities out there. And even though I initially started with some communities, I didn't really find I didn't really find one that really stuck for me or where I I was really able to continue on or knew the leader or, you know, I just I hadn't found my my tribe yet. And so I was kind of flapping in the wind a little bit without a lot of the connection that I was longing for. But I had all this information. I mean, I was full of information between the 400 plus podcast that I'd listened to at that point, the dozen books that I had in my Quitlet library. Um, just, I mean, I, if anything, that's what I did during wine o'clock for almost a whole year was I just switched gears and started learning about alcohol and bringing it closer. And so at this point, I'm just sitting there with my husband and I'm like, babe, <laughs> you can just hear me now, babe, babe, I wished more women knew what I knew about alcohol that were like me, that were maybe later in life drinkers, or maybe were kind of in this gray area, or maybe have been drinking their whole lives. And if they knew that there was kind of a way out that didn't involve something so painful as um, counting a day one or, or labels or just the stigma and the stereotype and all the shame, if they just kind of knew the science, if they knew what I knew, I think it changed their life. I just wished I could tell more women. He's like, you can't do it. <laughs> you have to know my husband. So this is a, this is a lot of, a lot of credit out there to you, Craig, when you hear this, if you do, uh, he is, he's a visionary. He, we're both entrepreneurs at heart. We've always owned our own businesses and kind of done our own thing. Um, but he's a real visionary. And he said, well, you know, we, I'd love to do what, what you want to do to make your voice bigger. How, what, how can we make your voice louder? And he said, first thing we got to do, let's get on GoDaddy and get a .com. I'm like, whoa, okay, whoa, this is, whoa, what's happening? Like, I don't even know. I had at that point, no plan, yeah. no idea. Um, and we, I spend the whole night with a notebook paper and a pad, you know, just a pen, writing down all the potential names for a .com that could house this passion that I had for other women to just experience what I had just experienced. And I came up with every name that tried to take out alcohol, sobriety, drinking, and all of them were really sweet and cute. And, and no one would know what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. They were so incognito that they wouldn't really get the message across. So I was like sober minded sisters. And I was like, wow, that is long. That is a long.com <laughs> right there. And I could have even added more on. I was like, 
you know, because I, I also have a faith background. So I was like, sober-minded sisters in Christ. And I'm like, well, no, I don't want to limit it to only people that come from my faith background. I mean, right. this information applies to everybody. So no, that's too long. So I just started shortening it down. And it was like, sober sis, sober-minded sister. Okay, sober sis. Um, and I checked the URL. And this is in 2017. It was not taken which now it would be taken a thousand times over, right? A million, yes. <laughs> a million times because our community and, and sober movement has grown so exponentially in the last five years. But it was, I think, reserved for me. So we mm-hmm. bought it and I started putting together these emails that have been morphed and updated and tweaked many times since then, um, even recently to put together really the best of what I had found at that time. And then now the best of what I've learned and seen work for so many other women. And that was how I began. I started a little Facebook group that had 15 people in it that all kind of knew each other because that was kind of awkward too, to get something started where people wanted to maybe look at their relationship with drinking, but weren't maybe ready to quit. It was the whole sober curious thing going on. So for them to kind of sign up for my emails, I was actually waking up at 6 a.m. every morning and sending them through Gmail from my private account in a group. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that's that's the that's the medium version. That's the genesis of SoberSys. And I've been working on it and at it every day since December 25th, 2017 probably 75 to 80 hours a week mm-hmm. since that time I it's become that. my full-time role passion calling assignment and uh and 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 more passionate about it today than I was the day I started and I was really passionate about it then too <laughs> wow. so cool so so cool I'm curious and I have I'm I'm going off script I didn't even send you these questions but oh, um no. I would love to know what's been the most rewarding piece of not just your journey, but just the sober sis journey. What's been the best, most rewarding part that maybe was unexpected? Yeah, I thought I was just going to be talking about alcohol. I thought I was just quitting drinking. But what I didn't expect was how much it opened up the door for everything else in my life. And now thousands of other thousands of other women um, have had relationships restored. Um, You know, they've started their own businesses, much like yourself. Mm -hmm. They they've written books. They have come alive in their communities to make a massive ripple effect. And at the end of the day, it's it's watching women who were literally asleep in their own life come alive, really come alive. It's like we were kind of dull, kind of dulled down, kind of sleepwalking, kind of watered down in our own life. And when you step into the sober minded journey, it's like and it's not always easy. It's not the unicorns and rainbows. And but there is a technicolor aspect yeah. to getting your personal integrity back, owning your own ness, your own gen ness, your just ness, you have your own, <laughs> your, you bring, you get to bring your own ness back. And I feel like that's what alcohol took away from me was that spark, that, that part of me that, that kind of played small and kind of hid behind this drink when I felt uptight, nervous or bored. That's that, that I've removed that. So now 
I can just feel more expansion and just feel like there's so much more possibility. And I just, it's so much less about alcohol than I ever imagined it was. At one point, all I could see was the drink itself being the problem or being the thing that I needed to, to get control of when really it's, it's everything else. Mm-hmm. I'm really, I was not expecting, I'm trying really hard not to lose it and start oh. crying, <laughs> but it is, it, it was unexpected for me to, to hear, not hear that, but it's so true. And I never thought about that in a sense of like, I mean, we were on cruise control for so long. Total autopilot. You know? I mean, just autopilot going through the motions of the day every day, you know, especially as moms. And oh. then you remove this one thing, this mm-hmm. one thing. And it's like, you just have no idea how much it is going to change your life. So true. And I, I think that's what's so rewarding for me is hearing and seeing the stories of women's legacies changed, generational trajectory changed. Uh, the, The legacy we leave behind our children, the conversations we can now have with your young children, your adult children, your grandchildren Mm -hmm. is totally different because you're present in those evenings where whether that's missing reading a book to your to your little one or just being available for a teenager when they come home from curfew and you're not three sheets to the wind, what can you catch? Mm-hmm. And then again, I, the the gals that that I know many are in sober sis who are in their 60s, 70s that also want that same go around with their grandkids that they might have missed with their own kids, but they can do that present and sober minded. It is awesome. Yeah, it is something yeah. else. What a good reminder. Yeah. And it's never too late. It's never never too late. late. I think the oldest sober sis we've had join our tribe to date that I'm aware of was 83. Stop. Really? That is incredible. That's older than my parents. I mean, I'm like rock on. (laughs) Amazing. Oh, that makes my heart happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. This is so fun. I could talk to you for hours. Um, when this episode launches or when it goes live, it's going to be right around the holidays. So wow. one thing I would love to finish up this episode with is almost kind of a survival guide or a Jen's biggest tips. Like when we are sitting down, I shouldn't even say sitting down, when we are getting ready to go to Thanksgiving dinner, to Christmas dinner, wherever it may be, what should we be prepared for? What could we do to hopefully have a successful alcohol-free holiday. Absolutely. And these are the weeks and days and months of the year that are are typically the hardest because you've got more cues or triggers for drinking than normal because you're out of your routine. You're seeing extended family and yeah, just everything's heightened. So the first thing I would say, and I will say this, if you go to sobersys.com, I do have a free guide with five strategies to help for wine o'clock that would apply to holidays. But I think we can even take it up a notch for holidays specifically. And um, that is definitely, you've got to pre-decide. If you show up at at the in-laws house or you're hosting at your house and you are going to play it by ear and you're just going to kind of see how it goes, you're toast, man. You are, you're probably toast. Because the chances of you or me or anyone 
in that situation, going back to the familiar or the default button, again, remember the motivation triad. We seek pleasure, avoid pain, and do what conserves energy. If you're in a bind, if you're in a tight spot, you're just gonna you're just gonna do what's easiest. And so if you it's maybe not easiest to not drink for the first time at the holidays. It's maybe more challenging. So to meet that challenge, you've got to be pre-decided ahead of time. And one way to do that is to also let someone know that you've decided that. Um, obviously, Sober Sis, we've got a strong community where we can have each other's backs during those times. But I would say connection is so critical during that time because it's very easy to feel alone and isolated, like you're the only one not drinking, or you're the only one who would possibly understand what it feels like to be left out at the adult table without the quote adult drink and not feel like, you know, well, maybe I should just go to the kids' table. Right. You know, like you've got to have some camaraderie, got to have a comrade out there, whether that's a Marco Polo group and sober sis or one. If you have one friend that can be a comrade, to you. Reach out, let someone know I'm going to Aunt Myrtle's house and I'm not drinking. If someone knows to check in with you and you've got some sense of accountability, um, that that may be just enough break tapping that you need to get your mind back when it's trying to get hijacked by that, you know, that monkey mind that wants to take over that just says, just drink one, who get them off your back, who cares? Um, so I would say pre-plan um, have a comrade and then also um, we'll pre-decide and pre-plan if you can have an alternative if you can have any kind of backup drink of choice that is alcohol free that you're genuinely excited about and I'm, I'm so pleased that we're having this conversation years after I started my journey we're back back you know even in 2017 there were very few choices and it was kind of like you know Kind of like the sparkling apple ciders from the grocery store yep. top shelf that were dusty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that was kind of our option or like lemonade or, yeah. you know, Shirley Temple. I mean, it was like bad. It was well, not beer. Beer was yeah. like, oh, duels. That was it, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> not a lot of options. I mean, things were starting to kind of merge out there. But um, so now, oh my gosh, sky is the limit for you. Um, on what you can BYOB, bring your own. You know, if the hostess with the mostest just doesn't even know about alcohol-free beverages, that's okay. You can bring your own. Um, if you are the host, though, if you are hosting the get-together, the party, um, and you're, you know, on this sober, curious journey or just taking a break from alcohol or living this lifestyle, provide your guests with options so that people always have a choice. Be inclusive with that choice. So it's not like all the good drinks are alcohol and then there's the milk for the kids and you can right. have some lemonade too. Right. You know? So, oh my gosh, so true. And there are, there are so many options out there right now. Yes. And I feel blessed that, you know, we don't have to, nothing against O'Doul's, but that we've, right. we've got different choices now. <laughs> That's options. We're just yes. all about the buffet of options. Well, one thing I think can be kind of intimidating and, you know, I'm going to be honest, even almost three years, it crosses my mind, but that piece of what to say, what oh, do we yeah. say when someone asks me, what can I get you to drink? Wait, you're not drinking? Like, I mean, I think there is power in having even a few words prepared or rehearsed or just kind of in the back of your head. Do you recommend that too, going into that? 
Absolutely. I think go in kind of with something that can roll off your tongue so you don't have that deer in headlights kind of awkward moment because it's really awkward for the other person too because they're just asking a normal question like what can I get you to drink? So I think it's up to us to be prepared that they're going to ask that. We know that. <laughs> so one thing that's really worked well for me that keeps it positive and uplifted so that I don't walk in like a Debbie Downer or like with a plaque on my, like a lanyard that says, <laughs> I am alcohol free. I'm not drinking. <laughs> you know, how can I like kind of make it cool for everyone so that they don't feel judged by me if they are drinking? You know, I don't want to be judged for, for not drinking. And I certainly don't judge anyone for drinking. So I think to kind of create this mutual respect and kind of this vibe, I just say yes. And I just do it with a big old happy smile on my face. I'm like, yes, well, I would love to start with some water. I've been running around all day, which is always the case. Um, and I'm just, I'm just honestly, I'm just thirsty. I'd love to start with some water for now. And what that does, in, especially at a party situation where there's a ton of people and maybe a cooler over there or a bar, it gives me a minute to kind of assess, do the recon and see what I'm dealing with. But I don't have to walk in and say no. I can walk in and say yes, and then just guide or direct the hostess or the bartender or the waitress to what it is I do want. Mm -hmm. You cannot go wrong with water. Everybody hydrate, you know, like right. we need to stay hydrated. So I just say, yes, I'd like to start with some water. Um, and then I look for my next drink order based on my options there, unless I brought my own. So if they've got Topa Chico mineral water on the menu, we have a lot of that down here in Texas then I'm good to go because I'll just get that with lime. Mm -hmm. um, so that gives, that buys me time. I love that answer because it it's not getting into my journey or like all that. <laughs> if someone does ask me why I'm not drinking though, um, and you will get that out there. Um, they could be two people. They may be more perplexed or they may be genuinely curious or they may want you to drink with them. And so they're trying to get you to drink with them because, again, we we don't like to drink alone, at least when we're out. I mean, I personally prefer to drink alone at home because then nobody could bug me right. about my drinking. Um, but, you know, when you're out and about, you don't want to be the only drinker. So it's kind of like more drinkers, more the merrier. Um, so I think you've got you kind of got to know who your audience is. Are they genuinely curious? If so. I think, you know, if they're a safe person, a trusted person, I think you could tell them, you know, I'm taking a break right now. Or, you know, I, I started out with just being curious about alcohol fitting in my life. And I just found it didn't fit, didn't serve me. So I'm not drinking for now. I'm not drinking anymore. Um, yeah. I'm pretty solid now in saying I just don't drink. Thanks yeah. anyway. I just I just don't drink alcohol. I do drink a lot of other things, though. <laughs> right. but I just don't drink alcohol. It just doesn't serve me well. It doesn't make me feel good doesn't align with me anymore. Um, I just, I've got a big day tomorrow and I don't want to wreck it till noon. You know, I just tell people, I just don't like how it made me feel. Um, but if they're, if they're more, I think some people are just perplexed because if you, if you're happy about your, your lifestyle, I think that they're not used to seeing people happy about choosing to be alcohol free. And I think that's part of our job almost in this movement that you and I are a part of is to be the change we want to create. Yeah. And I think we do that by being authentic, being real, but also having a life that other people would even be curious about wanting. Mm -hmm. And if if I'm genuinely happy without alcohol, 
then I just am. And I, and I can own that. And, and I think that that gives other people almost a permission to be curious about their relationship with drinking too, because it's not sad. It's not somber. You know, I didn't get somber minded. I got sober minded. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like, oh, Jen, lip tuck. Jen. what happened? <laughs> what happened? You know, uh, instead you control the narrative. This is your story. Your, you know, I love the hashtag sober for the health of it. Maybe mm-hmm. this is a wellness journey for you. There's so many reasons why people choose to drink less or not at all. Now the conversation is opening up and people are less labeling or, or having to have a negative reason to stop drinking. So just know that out there that people really are more curious than ever. I just read a stat that 65% of adults said they drank in 2019. And then that went down to 60% the year later, which is very interesting that people as a whole are actually drinking less, but there are certain segments in our society that are drinking more. And that's women, moms, and especially middle-aged women like myself that are 50. Mm-hmm. We're drinking more. While everyone else is slowing down, there's there's it's women and moms that are actually we're we're drinking more. We're not slowing down. We drink more as we age, not less, for the first time in history. Hmm. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. And I wonder if it's just not having or not being aware of the different coping skills. I mean, we're right. busy. We're doing it all. We're right. doing all the things, but we're forgetting. And the conversation can be had out there, but I think you're right. I think people still see it as so black and white, all or nothing. You know, don't talk about alcohol unless you absolutely have to. And if you are talking about it, then there really must be a problem. That right. that old mindset has, has shifted some, but we've still got a long way to go. I'm still there. I'm still there. Well, Jen, this has been a treat. And I know there are so many, so many nuggets that people are going to take away. And that big one of the holidays, I mean, just, just not overthinking it, keep it short, keep it simple, have a plan. And the one thing that I don't think we mentioned, which was, um, an important piece was once you give that answer to that host, you know, she's pretty much probably checked you off her list, you know, which is kind of good. If we just get something in our hand, not alcohol, right? She's done her job. So she's going to make her circle. I'm good. good, Or I'll let you know, you know, or, you know, I think you're right. I think less is more. Yeah. All right, my friend. Well, I'm looking at my clock. Like I said, I could talk to you forever, but I would love just kind of wrapping up looking forward. What's, what's next for Jen? What is, what's coming? What's this new chapter bringing? Well, two exciting things that have been huge projects of mine in the last several months, which will be happening in the new year, um, are, I've got a book coming out and, uh, it's actually being sent off to the printer this next week. So it should be out, um, after the first of the year, it's called look alive, sis. (laughs) which really dovetails into a lot of what we've already said, which is just come alive, look alive in your own life. Don't be asleep at the wheel, you know, wake up. We've got great things to do in this world. So I've got a, it's a 40 page reader. So it's, it's 40 different uh, kind of standalone writings where women can just kind of have a 40 day, you know, journey to awaken their sober mind. 
So that's coming out. And then I'm also hosting a huge event, a huge retreat in April. And that's for sober sis and even women who are maybe even sober curious who just want to check out what would it be like to be in a room full of hundreds of women who are open to the possibility of living life without being strapped to wine o'clock. And so that's that's really exciting. So those are the two big things on my docket. And then, of course, just um, nurturing and loving and um, serving, serving our sober minded sisterhood. Oh, so good. I am so excited about the book. I had heard this once on one of your lives and I was like, oh, I did yeah. not know about this. This is so exciting. Yes, so major congratulations. <laughs> yes. And that retreat, I know I talked to you before we hit record, but me and some of the OG girls, it is, it has been the topic of the week on our Marco Polo. And you heard that correctly, everybody. We are coming up on, what did I say? Is it three years, four years? I think it's in February. I think it's four. I think it's four. And we are still, yeah, yeah, it's gotta be. And I'm almost to the, Wow. Yeah, I'll be alcohol-free six years in April of 2023. So that would make sense that I was just a couple of years ahead. Yeah, because we were <laughs> the we were the second group that went through. And so we call oh ourselves some gosh. of the OGs and we are like, this totally. is it. We've got to oh. go. <laughs> oh, it's epic. And it will be epic. And having y'all there will make it epic for oh sure. Oh my gosh, it'd be so Incredible. cool. Well, the question that I always wrap up with is, to the one or many that are listening right now and feeling inspired to make a change, what advice would you give them? Oh, that's always a good one. Now, I would just say, listen to that little voice. Listen to that inner knowing, that nudge that lets you know, like you said earlier, something's just not quite right. There must be more. There's got to be something better. Not, is it bad enough? Ask yourself, is it good enough? And that will lead you and guide you forward. Amen. Oh, I love the positive spin. It's yeah. My favorite. Yeah. Well, Jen, I'm going to have all of the wonderful, amazing, helpful links in the show notes, show notes, excuse me. But what is the best way to get in touch with you? Where can people find you? Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, of course, follow me on Instagram. I'm at SoberSys. So that's an easy one to find. Um, and I'm really active on the gram. And then um, SoberSys.com is is kind of my free guide. Sign up. And uh, so those two things are probably the easiest way. If you go to my Instagram, all the different links are in my bio. But uh, follow me on Instagram. I'm constantly doing lives and showing different drink, drink um, companies. And just, again keeping it really positive and empowered that this is like one of the best things you could ever do for yourself. Yes. I mean, that is the theme of the show. Focus on the good. So yeah. thank you for taking the time. I love you so much. And I just appreciate you being here. Loved it. If you'd like to learn more about the show or make a donation, you can head over to decidedlydry.com. If you enjoy the show, the best way to support it is to subscribe and to leave an awesome rating or review over on Apple Podcasts. It's sure been a treat spending this time with you. And just remember, if the only thing you did today was stay sober, you are winning. I'll see you next time.